the beginning of a new year, whether you're one of those folks who makes New Year's resolutions. Anyone here who makes a resolution? Hey, one, great. I was asked this week whether I'd made any resolutions. And uh, I had to say, actually, I haven't. I haven't. Although, over the past many years, uh, I have endeavored, I say that, I've endeavored to read through the Bible every year. And um, I know many of you do that, and there are lots of apps available to help you do that. And I would encourage you to do that if you can. But I know it's a struggle at times. And if you've ever had that feeling that you've got a few days behind and you're in the middle of Leviticus, it doesn't always seem appealing. But do persevere, um, especially with the New Testament, to, to read that every year. Um, because I guess all of us want to know the Lord better. And if I was to have a New Year's resolution, that would be it. I want to know Jesus better than I do now. So how might we do that? How might we get to know him better? Well, obviously by reading the Bible. He is revealed there in the pages of Scripture. But also reading those who have followed him and who know him really well. To read those who have journeyed with him probably longer than me, and uh, who know him better, to spend time with people who have spent time with Jesus. And I know the church is full of amazing saints who we can get to know Jesus better through them. Charles Spurgeon, uh, who is an amazing man of God, great preacher, founded a wonderful college, didn't he, Edward, uh, which we both attended um, many years ago pointed out that in the four gospel accounts given by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 89 chapters of them, there is only one place where Jesus specifically tells us about his heart. Now, I know you've all immediately got there. You know where that verse is in those 89 chapters. In the other chapters, we can get to see him in all that he does and all that he says. We learn about his life and his ministry. We can hear him teach. We can picture him speaking. And by the Holy Spirit, we can get to know him. We're told about his prayer life. We're told about his travels. How he understood himself in the light of the Old Testament. We know the most about his final days on earth about his unjust arrest, his trial, his torture, execution, and astonishing resurrection. 40% of John's gospel deals with the last week or so of Jesus' life. And I, like many Christians, know a lot of what Jesus has done. I know that he died for me. I know that he is risen from the dead. I know that he's coming back for us. I believe that he is God the Son, the Word made flesh. But if I want to know him better this year, where would I start? Well, I want to encourage us to start in that one verse where he talks about his own heart. We find it in Matthew 11. And in these verses, there is good news for everyone. Jesus opens his heart to us. This is good news for the discouraged. 
This is good news for the frustrated. This is good news for the weary. This is good news for the disappointed, the disenchanted, the cynical, the empty, the broken, the hungry, the faithful, the joyful, the expectant. I hope that's covered all of us. This is good news for us this morning. He invites us to come to him. So let's listen to him now as we read these few verses from Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. One of the difficulties about reading the Bible in a year is that you have to do quite big chunks to get through it, don't you? Particularly the Old Testament. And I find myself having to actually, you know, stop afterwards. I've done my readings, but I have to stop and go back and read it a bit more slowly. Or just take one or two verses from that day's readings. Spurgeon says this is the only verse where Jesus specifically talks about his own heart. For I am gentle and humble in heart. I wonder if you were asked, and I know this is no easy task because I've asked myself this week, how would you describe your heart? How would you describe your heart? And before you read this passage, how would you have described Jesus' heart? Now, when we talk about the heart, you know that I'm not speaking about that vital organ in here that pumps around a thousand gallons of blood around our bodies a day. We are amazingly and fearfully wonderfully made, aren't we? I'm not talking about that heart. I'm talking about the heart that is the center of our being, the center of who we are. Our heart is what defines us, directs us in all that we do. In many ways, it is who we are. So when Jesus says, my heart is, he is describing who he is what he is like. And who would have thought it? The maker of heaven and earth, the one who spoke creation into being, the one who sustains all of it, the whole universe by his word, who is awesome, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, describes his heart as gentle and humble. For I am gentle, he says. The Greek word that's used here appears three times elsewhere in the New Testament. In the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes, those uh, beautiful attitudes, Matthew 5, verse 5, blessed are the meek. It's the same word that is used, that Jesus uses here in his description of his heart. For they shall inherit the earth. All-powerful, Jesus is yet gentle, 
find it again in Matthew 21, verse 5, quoting uh, from Zechariah 9.9, when Jesus enters Jerusalem on the day we call Palm Sunday and we celebrate that, it says, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, the foal of a donkey. And then we find it once more in the New Testament, in 1 Peter 3, verse 4, when Peter encouraged all of us, but specifically if you read the passage, he's talking to wives, but he's talking to families and husbands in that passage. And he encourages us all to cultivate a gentle and quiet spirit. In other words, he is saying to the churches that he's writing to there is, be more like Jesus. Jesus is gentle. He is the most understanding person in the universe. If you've ever thought, no one understands me, you're wrong. Jesus understands you. He knows you. He is the strongest person in the universe, but he is the kindest person in the universe. He says he is gentle and humble in heart. In other translations, that word humble is um, translated as lowly. And again, elsewhere in the New Testament, we find this word translated in James 4, verse 6. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In Luke 1, verse 52, in Mary's song, sometimes called the Magnificat, he says, she says, He has brought down rulers from their thrones and lifted up the humble. He opposes the proud and lifts up the humble. God of heaven and earth chose a humble teenage girl to bear the Son of God. What Jesus is saying here is that he is accessible. He is not out of reach of any of us. Remember in Philippians, it says of Jesus, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. For all his dazzling holiness and resplendent glory, he is the most approachable person in the universe. Have you ever had that experience of being on the telephone in a queue to speak to somebody? We know your call is important. You are in a queue. We will get to you as soon as we can. Our lines are extremely busy. They're always extremely busy. Have you ever phoned one of these lines and they've not been extremely busy? Your call is important to us. Jesus is the most approachable person in the universe. You are not held in a queue, ever. You are directly through. He wants to hear from you. You don't have to be pre-approved. You don't have to qualify. You don't have to pass an exam. You can be straight through to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords at any moment 
day or night. You don't have to be good enough to have access to the Lord of glory. And there is no one too bad who is not permitted to turn to him. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. I do believe that Jesus has a sense of humor. I I know he does. I love the way that the chosen um, TV series pictures Jesus with a great sense of humor. And this is one of his as well. Because if you read it and you think, I'm going to find rest for my souls by taking a yoke upon me. Taking a yoke. Make no mistake, Jesus is Almighty God, the Son. If Jesus hosted his own website, you know the about me drop down bit that you all have, or every organization has, Chipping Camden has, Baptist Church, about us. Jesus would say, I am gentle and humble in heart. This is for those who come to him. It's those who accept his invitation. His promise is for those who come to him, but those who reject him, he weeps over, as he does over Jerusalem when he enters Jerusalem. If you read this passage in its wider context, he is speaking about two villages that have been unrepentant, who have turned their backs on Jesus, and he has to say woe to them. Being gentle and humble in heart doesn't make Jesus a mushy pushover, a big softy. But for those who come to him, he promises rest and an easy yoke and a light burden. For those who receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. Not born of human decision or a husband's will, but born of the Spirit. But we know that Jesus' invitation and his promise is not just the promise of an easy life, that we won't be uh, troubled by the world's difficulties or go through pain and suffering ourselves. We know that we're not immune from that. And he astounds us and sustains us with his loving kindness, which is why we need to understand that yoke a little bit more clearly. Jesus invites us to let him place his yoke on our necks that we might find rest. Because you cannot find it on your own. Without Jesus, you will not find that rest, that peace, that love. Now, we know that there's nothing nice about a first century yoke. It was a heavy wooden beam or crossbar laid across a pair of oxen so that they could pull heavy loads. A yoke has always been a symbol of oppression and hard labor. So why does Jesus choose it? Doesn't sound like a rest to me. 
But his yoke is a yoke of kindness. In one way, you can understand it that he does all the heavy lifting. I'm often uh, amazed when I see people riding tandems. I want to see who's chosen to be on the front because I, I have a sneaky suspicion they do all the heavy work. The ones on the back can lift their feet up to take the ride. We are joined with him. That's the key thing. The yoke joins us to him. And this yoke is really a non-yoke. It's the yoke of salvation. It's like telling a drowning man that he must put on the burden of a life jacket. Sometimes use this in, in the Alpha talks that I do. Absurd for someone to say, no, I don't need a life jacket. I'm struggling enough in this water. I don't need a life jacket. It's the last burden I need. Yet it's the life jacket that will save them. It is the yoke of Jesus that will save us. Because we will be reunited, we will be united with him. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And although our troubles and concerns we all go through are momentary, they will be gone. And Jesus will carry us through everyone. Yes, Jesus is the maker of heaven and earth. He is the judge of all mankind. Before him, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Elsewhere in the Bible, he is described in these terms of his eyes are flaming fire. His voice is like the water, the roar of many waters. His face is like the sun shining in all its brilliance. He has a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. But he is the one who is gentle and humble in heart. And he calls you to come to him. All who are weary. All who are burdened. Take my yoke upon you and you will find rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. At the beginning of this new year, do you want to know Jesus better? Well, start here and know his heart. And that we might want a heart after his own heart. He invites us this morning to come to him. I do love reading the message version alongside the NIV. And this is a wonderful translation from Eugene Peterson, but it doesn't use those words that are in the Greek. But I love the way he frames it. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So I'm going to ask Henry and the band to come and we're going to spend time in the presence of Jesus, worshipping him. You may want to sit or stand. 
but I would encourage you to use this time to invite the Holy Spirit afresh into your life, to search our own hearts, whether there's things we need to let go of, put down. But if we want to know Jesus better in this coming year, it begins with seeking after his heart. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you love us so much that you gave your one and only Son. That whoever believes in him won't perish, but have eternal life. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made yourself nothing. that you humbled yourself, even to death on a cross. And we come this morning to ask that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, that we would learn from your heart, and that you would continue that work that you have begun in us. We want to know you better. So even this morning, as we come in worship and ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill this place and fill our lives, would you have your way in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.